0: If you would, please turn first to 1 John chapter 4, which easily blends into the message today starting at verse 7 and reading through 21. First John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Listen carefully to the holy infallible word of God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is also, he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We, love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, if you would back to Mark, Reading from Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is here. O Israel, the Lord, our God. and and to love him with all your heart, with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him, any more questions. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God we are so thankful for this conversation between the scribe and Christ. Help our hearts to be open to the gospel of love and what it means in terms of our relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and what it means also in relationship to one another, our neighbor. We ask, O Lord, that your spirit would lead our lives in such a way in which love would abound. In Christ's name, amen. In John's Gospel, Jesus tells us quite clearly If you love me, you will keep my commandments that the words of Christ directly address each of us this very morning. Ask yourself. Do you love Jesus? Do you love your neighbor? Notice the word of Christ once again. If you love Jesus, you will keep his commandments. Do you love his commandments as well? The action of loving Christ is tied to the future action of the believer, keeping the commandments of Christ. The context of Christ's use of the future action on part of the believer is tied also to the coming of the Holy Spirit who will enable the people of God to keep the commandments of Christ as he applies Christ's death and resurrection to our hearts and to our daily walk. As the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we live in an era, the era, when the Holy Spirit has come upon the body of believers. So let us examine our own hearts this morning. Do we love Jesus? Do we keep his commandments? The issue is not here that we are sinless and you are in terms of your own personal sanctification. That's not the issue. Rather, the issue here is whether you know that the Holy Spirit is doing a good work in you That is, as the confession states about sanctification, that you are dying more and more to your sin and living unto righteousness. Notice the words of the confession concerning sanctification. Dying to sin, that's the application of the cross of Jesus Christ to your life. In living, you see, living unto righteousness. That's the application of the resurrection in your life in Jesus Christ. In terms of Mark's gospel, keeping Christ's commandments would mean the daily repentance of our sin. And embracing Jesus Christ by faith and obeying his word unto everlasting life. I have drawn your attention to Christ's words in the Gospel of John because I do not want you to place yourself on the sidelines here in Mark's text this morning as you listen to the interaction between the scribe and Jesus about loving God and loving your neighbor. Examine your own heart. Examine your own life as the scribe and Christ interact with each other. Allow Christ's final statement to the scribe to address each one of us this morning. Are you not far from the kingdom of God? Or, more specifically, are you in presently? Are you in presently? The kingdom of God, or hopefully by God's grace, none of us are extremely far from the kingdom of God. Let us review to make sure we understand how the flow of the present text fits in the life of our Savior going to the cross specifically here in Mark's narrative. For Mark, remember the march to the cross is through Jerusalem and the temple. We are presently in both places here in our text. We are in Jerusalem and we are in the temple. Christ has disrupted the court of the Gentiles and executed his judgment upon the apostasy and barrenness of the den of robbers. On the next day he returned to the temple and he is in the temple area. We have witnessed three interrogations so far by the various Jewish parties against Christ each relating to Christ's authority. The first was the Sanhedrin challenging Christ's authority for doing the things that he does. Secondly, the Sanhedrin send the Pharisees and the Herodians with the goal to trap Christ about the authority of paying taxes to Caesar. Then third, the Sadducees came to see if they can trap Christ on the issue of the resurrection. Is Moses or Jesus the authority about the resurrection? Well, we are not done yet, are we? In our text, a certain scribe comes. Matthew and Mark points out that he's a lawyer. (laughs) He heard these parties disputing, arguing, debating with Jesus and decided himself to get into the discussion. This scribe is impressed with the way that Jesus responds to their questions. So he decides to ask a question that relates to his own area of expertise, the law within the life of Israel. What is interesting is that the scribe does not have the tone of interrogation for Jesus, verse 28. Rather he seems to want to inquire peacefully about the wisdom that Jesus possesses. This is a pleasant change of pace in this chapter in terms of the other interrogations. This is not an interrogation, this is actually a discussion. Interestingly, the scribe's question has the connotation of dealing with authority as well. Which commandment has the most authority in the life of Israel? In the life of an Israelite, which one has the most authority? Well, as you can see in the text, Jesus doesn't hesitate, sort of barks, aspect here. Jesus immediately quotes from the Shema found in Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. Why I read that in terms of our call to worship this morning. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus responds in verse 29 and 30. Then Jesus continues by quoting from Leviticus 19.18. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Let us make some observations here about Christ's response to the the scribe. First, the commandment that he presents to the scribe comes from the writings of Moses. Remember, in terms of the flow of his interactions on this day in the temple, he has just challenged, he has just Challenge was just challenged by the Sadducees concerning whether Moses is the authority or Jesus is the authority about the resurrection. Jesus was clear. Moses believed and wrote about the resurrection and hence Jesus and Moses both believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees are wrong about Moses and the resurrection. After all, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob are now alive in heaven, in heaven. Well, Jesus is telling the scribe, that Moses also wrote correctly about the most important commandment and its companion. So in the second place, notice that the commandments are addressed to the corporate body, the covenant body of God's people. Listen, hear, O Israel. If you are an Israelite, You are obligated to keep both commandments love God and love neighbor for the Lord's covenant body these two commandments are presented in the moral law that is the Ten Commandments as we read this morning specifically the Ten Commandments are viewed as being divided into two parts following the distinction that Jesus is making love God and love neighbor what are these two parts The first four commandments can be summarized as to what Christ's people are to do in responding to God's grace and love in our lives. We love the Lord in sincere reverence for his person and name which has its centrality in our worship of our one God in three persons. Father. Son and Holy Spirit. The second six commandments can be summarized as to what God's people, Christ's people are to do in responding to God's grace and love in loving others. We deny ourselves for the sake of respecting the dignity of our fellow human beings who are created in the image of God. These two aspects of the Ten Commandments, that is the moral law, describes how we, as the covenant corporate body of Christ, are to live in gratitude, gratitude for God's grace in our lives. In the third place, we do not want to miss what Christ is telling the scribe about loving God as he quotes from the Shema. Love is the dynamic of our call to action in responding to God's saving grace and covenantal bond with his people. God's call to action is one that requests and demands every aspect of your person every aspect of your person, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Is this found in each of us this morning? All our thoughts All our emotions, all our strength is governed by our undivided and uncompromising love for God. Take note that the first commandment ends with the word strength. We may say we understand the concept of heart, soul and mind. But what is the meaning of Christ using the term strength here? Well, only our strength in loving God is going to be the counter in our weakness of addressing the flurry of Satan's seductions thrown at us each day. I hope you heard that. In terms of your Christian walk, Only our strength in loving God is going to be the counter in our weakness of addressing the flurry of Satan's seductions thrown at us each day. Love is the strongest force in the universe which is matched only by death so says Solomon in the Song of Solomon chapter 8 verse 6. Only God's love is in redeeming us from the sentence of death for our sin can conquer death and through the power of the Holy Spirit who places in us a devoted response of love for God the Father and Christ in our hearts enables us to combat and conquer satan when sin is at the door when sin is at the door in our lives by the holy spirit's application of christ's death and resurrection you have the strength you have the strength of the love of christ in your heart, soul, and mind to counter those seductions. It is the power of the Spirit. After all, do not miss how Mark has presented Christ to us in his gospel. He is mightier than John the Baptist. Chapter one, verse seven. He is the one who binds the strong man's house satan's house chapter 3 verse 27 so are we grasping this are we grasping it the incredible strength of love in christ do you have that in your heart do you have that in your life if if we are not grasping this let the apostle paul help you love Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. It goes on forever and ever into eternity. Quite comprehensive, isn't it? quite strong in its breath is love, isn't it? Well, in the fourth place is the love of our neighbor. As the body of Christ, we must not minimize this commandment. When Christ presents this to the scribe, he is maintaining it as an extension as an extension of the first commandment. The two are inseparable in the world created by God, one accenting the love of God, our creator, and one accenting our love for the prince of God's creative activity, male and female in his image. If you need convinced that these two commandments are inseparably linked together then you do not need to look any further than first John chapter 4 verses 20 and 21 which we read this morning if anyone says I love God and hates his brother he is a liar for he Who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, from Christ. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Christ has mapped out what this love actually looks like in the believers life. It dominated Mark's narrative from Peter's confession until Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem and the temple. It is the life of discipleship, the life of denying self and living as a servant to others in Christ. We die to self to be a servant in honoring father and mother. We die to self to be a servant in transforming hate into love. We die to self to be a servant in not violating the sanctity of marriage, the personal property of others, the truthfulness of of our word to others and our desire for what others have that we do not have. Yes. Live the commandments five through 10 as being alive in you through the Spirit's power since Christ has crucified the sins of those commandments to the cross. Don't let them be alive in you. Well, the scribe is not caught off guard with Christ's response to him. The scribe responds graciously that Jesus is right. He even calls him teacher there in verse 32. As you can see, the scribe continues by repeating the two commandments, does he not? But notice he adds something very interesting that you do not want to miss. In verse 33, what does he add? Look at the end of verse 33. These two commandments are much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. These two commandments are much more than burnt offerings and sacrifices. This is being said by a scribe who has great knowledge of the law and the sacrificial system in Israel. This is an amazing statement from this gentleman in terms of it as he's discussing with Christ. His response does not go unnoticed by Christ. In fact, Christ says in response to him he says you are wise you are wise and makes the following statement there in verse 34 you are not far from the kingdom of God the scribe's answer reveals that he knows the word of the Lord from the Prophet Hosea chapter six verse six for I desire steadfast what love steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. We read that this morning too. Yes, the scribe is so much closer to the kingdom of God than the rich young man who could not surrender all that he had to love God with all his heart soul mind and strength and his neighbor as himself back there in chapter 10 verse 21 through and 22 but why why does the statement by the scribe from Hosea 6 6 mean why does the statement by the scribe from Hosea 6 6 mean that he is not far from the kingdom of God because the day of Hosea 6 6 has arrived it has arrived the scribe needs to embrace it by faith who is standing right there in front of him it's Jesus the Christ. Furthermore, notice the place where the scribe and Jesus confront each other in the temple. Jesus says the temple has become a den of robbers. Its sacrifices and burnt offerings are useless by those who have defiled the house of prayer. The final sacrifice Coming as the true offering in holiness to defeat sin and death is before your eyes, O oh, scribe. How about you? Do you have eyes to see? Are you listening here to Jesus for your life? The steadfast love and knowledge of God has invaded the creation in perfect love and knowledge in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is standing before the scribe. He's standing before you this morning. The scribe is close but he is not quite there yet don't miss it he's not quite there yet he needs to embrace by saving faith the perfect love and knowledge of god that is only found in god's son Jesus Christ, only Christ has loved God, His Father, His own Sonship, the Holy Spirit, perfectly. Only Christ has loved His neighbor perfectly. Christ lives these words. He lives these words. Greater love has no one than this that someone would lay down his life for his friends. John 15 13 and notice that notice that what Christ says there for his friends. Christ. Sees an intimate personal relationship with his people for whom he has placed his life upon the cross. He calls us his friends. That is real, true love for one's neighbor. You can only love God and your neighbor by being in union with Christ's obedience to these two commandments, which is established by Christ's own pattern of sacrificial servanthood before God and neighbor. The disciple the Apostle John has stated the activity of God's love in His Son for His Church, for each of us here this morning so wonderfully and gloriously from that passage we read in 1 John 4. Listen carefully once again to verses 9 through 11 And place it in your heart and know it in your heart as the core of the gospel message in terms of your love for God. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love not that we have loved God but he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, so also ought you to love one another. As we listen to this beautiful gospel message of love from the pen of John inspired by the Holy Spirit. One point of explanation must be made to understand the full impact of the gospel as we close here this morning. Please grasp this. God's love for us through his son must in some way satisfy the justice of God's own holiness and righteousness. Is there a problem? Is there a problem in terms of us satisfying God's justice? (laughs) Yes there is. It's our sin problem. Our sin union with Adam and our thoughts and actions of sin deserve the eternal punishment of God in light of his perfect holiness and righteousness. Now there's a term there which some of us, even our children, may not understand that John uses, but you must see this term, you must understand this term to understand the fullness of the gospel. The term propitiation is essential in understanding the death of Jesus for your sins. Christ's death, what does that word mean? Turns away the wrath of God that we justly deserve and takes that wrath, Jesus takes that wrath upon himself as the perfect sacrifice for our sin, casting our sin away from the presence of the Lord as far as the East is from the West. Isn't that marvelous? isn't that marvelous that word is golden to the hearts of true believers what beauty it is what love it is Christ our beloved servant of love loving his neighbor has been sent to serve as God's gift of grace and justice for us so that in Christ's righteousness. We are personally and peacefully reconciled with our God. Do you know that peace? Is that peace in your heart today? Let's pray. O oh, our Lord, the peace that passes all understanding that is found in the love of the triune God for his people. There is no hope. There is no reconciliation without the foreordained love of God to come upon us and place the cleansing righteousness of Christ's blood upon us so that we have the newness of life. Fill us with the spirit that worketh righteousness in us, a righteousness that is not our own, a righteousness that is lived, that has been lived actively and passively for by our Savior on our behalf. O Lord, help us to be a congregation of peace and love towards each other as well as in our hearts. In Christ's name, amen.